0: Welcome to Banners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins,
1: and I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our deep dive into the season one finale of Sanditon.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'm saying, series total.
1: <laughs> no, I'm saying season one because I need a season two. <laughs> <I'm putting laughs> I know after
0: that there. episode.
1: <laughs> I'm manifesting.
0: but we have such a great guest with us today lauren burke one half of the bonnets at dawn podcast which we've talked about on here before because we love it (laughs) thank
2: you welcome lauren thank you guys for having me i'm like really excited also i watched lost highway last night which i know was not in preparation for what we were discussing (laughs) today but We could absolutely discuss Lost Highway (laughs) or um, Mulholland Drive anytime.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe you'll have to be our guest when we do Lost Highway. (laughs) It's one of my favorite David Lynch movies. What a film. What a
2: a movie experience, as Amazon calls it, and that is correct. (laughs) Yes.
0: Gosh, that movie. The first time I watched it, I had no idea what it was about. And the second time I watched it, it blew my mind. I was like, this is the most genius thing I've ever seen.
2: I'm excited to
0: see it. That's what's great about Lynch.
2: I mean, like, like Mike Lee is probably my favorite filmmaker. He's up there. He's in the top five. But what's great about both of them is that you can just rewatch so many times, get so many different things out of yeah. it. This time I was watching just like blown away by the composition of the uh, film. I think yes. that was the thing where I'm like, oh, every frame is so deliberate. But anyway. <laughs> so,
0: well, I might as well just jump in. Do you have a lot of him... Um... David, how much David Lynch do you know? How much have you, are you familiar with?
2: So we might talk a little bit about this once we talk about adaptations, but I, so I wanted to be a filmmaker for like ever.
3: Oh, Oh. exciting. So
2: me falling into this like women writers thing, (laughs) which I love dearly, is, is not, was not my intention. So I, uh, you know, studied film, in school, I went to, I went to DePaul before they had set up like this film program, but they had like a, a big theater program.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was not in the acting program because you have to audition very, very hard for that. And they make cuts <laughs> like Jillian Anderson went there. Like it's a very prestigious, crazy program.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And so this is, this is going somewhere, I promise. But um, <laughs> freshman in college, Studying film, all my friends were studying film or they were in the acting program. A lot of them still are in the industry. I ended up later on working at the Art Institute in the film department and at like the Gene Siskel Center. Cool. Mm-hmm. So worked with a lot of film students, experimental film students. So they all love David Lynch is basically <laughs> what i say. And I, I have seen a lot of films that are Lynch-esque or trying to be David Lynch, mm-hmm. which is An interesting space um, (laughs) to (laughs) occupy.
1: To to (laughs) put
2: Yeah, to be polite. But what's really funny about David Lynch, and I think the biggest, like, I think I was probably in high school when I started watching his films, but really it was freshman year of college because at DePaul, we had this, like, closed movie channel situation on campus. And for some reason, the year I was at school, like, only two movies played on that film channel. And that was Mm Mulholland Drive or What Lies Beneath. And freshman year, living in the theater dorm, which was an experience, I have to say, it was rather dramatic. And our whole floor was like, everyone was friends and whatnot. And everyone always had their TVs on this movie channel. And there were just so many dramatic moments that year. Like you'd walk into someone's room and there'd be like this whole... You know a fight or someone's broken up with someone there's been a whole drama and mulholland drive was like the constant backdrop <laughs> to that
0: how appropriate never, it,
2: it's so appropriate so like whenever i watch that movie i'm like oh yeah i do remember i you know the gal next door to me um she got hit by a car. Oh, my. Actually, at one point, I'm like, I remember, like, sitting in Carrie's room and, like, watching over her and watching Mulholland Drive after she got hit by a car. Or I remember when Sarah broke up with Kevin and then they had that huge fight and we were all watching Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, everything. She's always been there. <laughs> always on in the background. So it, yeah, that's it has a, a special... level to the drama. <laughs> yes. I, I feel like that's what he intended as well. <laughs> I feel like if I told David Lynch this, he'd be... He'd be cool with it yeah and then when i worked at the jeans school i worked with some professors and filmmakers there who actually who were like friends with him and so there was a lot of talk of like the transcendental meditation like that was filtering Mm -hmm. through in the program and whatnot so he's kind of always been in the background i feel like for me
0: (laughs) well that's (laughs) awesome
2: (laughs) that's
1: very cool
0: uh, I guess we probably should have started with you um, saying a little bit about your podcast. Actually. Sure, sure. Into David Lynch, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: we have zero podcast etiquette.
2: Yes, I, I do as well. I'm like, I'm the worst at talking about myself, too. Like, just wait. I'll be lobbing questions at you guys during the show. And I'm like, this is not my show. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, got a podcast. We're about to jump into our fifth season called Bonnets at Dawn. It's about um, 17th, 18th, and 19th, 20th, all century (laughs) women writers. I don't like to talk about any women writers that are still alive, (laughs) essentially. (laughs)
3: That's that's
2: pretty much where we're we're going here. So yeah, it started off as Austen versus Bronte, Bonnets at Dawn, which was sort of like a lighthearted back and forth between me and my best friend, Hannah Chapman, who is team Austen, and I was team Bronte. And then we dropped that portion of the show because there were just so many other women that we wanted to talk yeah. about, and um, so many lit homes each other, that we wanted to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, it was a good, fo- it was a good like fun format for the show. It kind of helped us like drive programming, but now we sort of do like mini seasons that are sort of themed, and that's how we're driving the content.
0: So Yeah. yeah. I've been really enjoying it. I mean, this year has not been the best for me to actually read new material, but I have um, mm-hmm. discovered a lot of new um, authors <laughs> that I hadn't known of before.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. I'm yeah. glad. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I mean, me too, honestly, over the past four years. So that's really good. Yeah. And we are, um, I think when this airs, we will be coming back. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, huh. I'm editing now. Exciting.
0: And you have a book coming out.
2: I do. We do have a book um, called Why She Wrote, which is a collection of like comics and essays about women writers. (laughs) So, and then also um, we're kind of trying to do these chapters that sort of theme and like put everyone together. So, you know, we have a section on like gothic writers and what women are trying, what these women are trying to do by writing about, you know, monsters that aren't monsters and ghosts that aren't ghosts. Uh, What's what they're trying to say with that, and then there's a great chapter that I love that I did not write. Hannah got to (laughs) write write that one, Um, and it's about the business of publishing and sort of women who were, who were like you know, Beatrix Potter basically invented licensing, (laughs) and you know, Louisa May Alcott and copyright, and so it's really we're taking sort of a different angle on some of you know the classic women writers that everyone knows and loves just trying to say like, Hey, they were also businesswomen and they also did this. And this yeah. And this. So yeah.
0: That's awesome. I can't wait to read it. I, you can pre-order it from Chronicle books.
2: You can indeed. It'll be out on four twenty. <laughs> <That's laughs> <romantic>. Perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Some nice light reading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, cause you guys started in comics, right?
2: We did. So I, so I was, in that film space, long story short, wrote a pilot. The pi- I sent the pilot to the BBC like an idiot. Like, you guys should publish me or you should make my show. And they were like, they actually sent me a really nice letter back and they're like, you're very talented. This is very expensive. So, no, we're not going to make your show. But they did give me like some contact names and some really good feedback. Um, and then I got a hold of an agent and the agent was like, I like this, but I think you should go turn it into a comic and then, like, see what happens. Maybe it'll get picked up from there. So then that's how I got into sort of comics. That's and, so in that cool. part. Yeah. Awesome. And then I, I did, and then I did turn it into a comic, and then it did get optioned. It'll probably absolutely never go anywhere, but I do have some insight onto how that adaptation process happens, <laughs> like, sort of on the back end.
0: I feel like when I first discovered you guys, you had already been doing it for several years at that point and i kind of went back and was listening to some of the early ones and i was like how do i get my hands on some of these comics but i could never find
2: them (laughs) oh gosh well i will say one of them uh comic book slumber party which is the anthology series that hannah started and she then kind of turned uh she started working with avery hill comics on that so you can get comic book slumber party via avery hill okay and I recommend *Return to Bitch Mountain*, which I wrote a story on as
0: well. <laughs> definitely, and I just awesome. like the
2: title. Yeah, so it's a that. great title. So yeah, definitely. What where you call Sanditon House? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Avery Hill. We'll put some stuff up on. We're we're terrible about self promotion. I have to say, I'm always like, yeah, it's out there. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible.
0: It's terrible I know talk. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> you have to actually go on social media to promote yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and I guess the last thing would be uh, how what what where did you first discover Jane Austen? Was it from the podcast?
2: No, let's see. I I feel like I feel like she was summer reading for us at school, which I, we've talked about on the show before. How I didn't have a lot of female writers like or writers of color. There was not a lot of diversity on my curriculum. Mm -hmm. And definitely a lot of the female writers were relegated to like summer reading. And then you'd kind of come back and talk about them in class for like a day and then move on. And so Pride and Prejudice was definitely treated in that manner, treated as sort of like a lighthearted romantic comedy, but I enjoyed reading it right away. And I can't remember how old I was. Middle school, high school, around there. Yeah. And then Loved the adaptations, of course. And then when I met Hannah, um, Hannah was, it was just before she started working at the Jane Austen Center. And so we, out of our, all of our friends, were the only ones that really enjoy talking about classic literature. Like none of our friends are interested in our show, like at all. <laughs> Um, They all make comics or, like, are in, like, the industry in some way. Um, So they're interested in storytelling, but they're always like, oh, I don't want to. So old. (laughs) So we were, like, the outliers. And we were actually at a festival in France. And that's when we were, like, kind of going back and forth and talking about, like, I was like, well, you know, I'd, I'd like a reason to read more Jane Austen. Like, I'd like an excuse to sort of. Yeah do something other than work because I think work that really had taken over my life at that point. And I was like, I actually needed a, like a deadline driven project to like do pleasure reading <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and she was like me too. and we had like kind of start, tried to start like a little classics book club amongst our friends and that had not worked at all. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we'll do the podcast and that will give us an excuse to sort of go back and for her reread everything and then also read any of the Brontes because she had not read any of the Brontes at that point. Oh. And for me to read... I think I had read Pride and Prejudice, Emma. I think I'd read everything except for... Um, I don't think I had finished Northanger Abbey at that point. So I had skimmed <laughs> over it the first time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the first one we did was Northanger Abbey. and mm-hmm. uh, Perfect. We found a Vera. lot to love in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it mm-hmm. was a great
1: starter.
0: Yeah. great it intro.
2: Is- I love that book now,
0: actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it's maybe my second favorite at this point. It's hard to say Ooh, until we've read them all again. I favorite. love Mansfield Park.
2: <laughs> Ooh, wow. The <laughs> people that love Mansfield Park really love Mansfield Park, and I appreciate that about them, actually. I really enjoy Mansfield Park, actually, especially after our, our read-along. I was like, okay, I really got a lot out of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to get to it on the podcast because it's mm-hmm. one of those, like, I know I love it a lot, but I don't know exactly what it is about it that makes me love it more than the others, but mm-hmm. I can't wait to get to it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that would it. be nice
2: to see if it, if it has changed at all. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's get into Sanditon a bit. Christian, what were your first impressions of this po- uh, podcast? Of this episode? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I loved this episode. I thought it was a pretty good finale episode for a first season. they packed a lot they packed a lot into it I felt like watching a movie I was like how long is this (laughs) but I loved it I like how some of the conclusions we got it was kind of unexpected for me yeah but I did really enjoy a lot of like the promises of what will possibly kind of happen in some of these characters futures yeah. So like with Lady Denim, and because she, she seemed to kind of soften up towards the end, and mm-hmm. just yeah. like stuff like that, like just the promises of what we might get, or at least we can predict maybe for ourselves what they might get. So I really, really enjoyed it. It was bittersweet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I might have done a lot of speculating as to where the characters might end up after this <laughs> as I was writing the notes, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I did get a couple more things. I think we talked about in the last episode how you were saying how some of your predictions early on might have been influenced by your first time watching it. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of flared out a couple of things where I was like, yeah, it did end up how she said, so maybe she
3: was right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I will tell you, I did not remember at all that there was a fire in it. <laughs> <until we laughs> that was again. shocking. <laughs> uh, what about you, Lauren? What was your first impression of this episode? So for
2: this episode, I agree, like there's so much that happens, which is great, actually mm-hmm. a great place to leave it off. Maybe almost, I mean, I think this is kind of the series overall. There's a lot of characters, they're juggling a lot of things going on. And I feel like the pacing is a bit off, right? Because I'm like, there's so many things happening. I Yeah. I, my attention is pulled everywhere. But it's one of the, I think it's one of the better episodes of the series overall, yeah. And is this going to be controversial? I don't mind the ending.
0: Me neither. <laughs> I don't. Me neither, me I don't. I don't neither. mind
2: her having this experience of this this time in Sanditon, and then like going off and taking that and growing and doing something else. Like I'm <laughs> like I don't actually mind.
0: <laughs> I know. I was like I think it kind of been good. You know, she's like going off. She had her fun adventure, and she's going to have lots of fun stories to tell and. She'll always Mm -hmm. know that this really hot guy liked her for real once.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to marry her. It was literally the whole show was was like almost like a summer fling for like the viewer and for her. So it was like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think totally that's bang on.
1: Yeah. And we are a anti-Sydney podcast. So we were very happy to see (laughs) (laughs) that they did not end up together.
2: Attractive man, but. I don't know what we've done with... I think there's some issues with the character. I feel like this was (laughs) not really maybe thought through in the writer's room. I do have some feelings on this, but we can get into that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm definitely excited to get into it. I honestly, uh, since I obviously didn't even remember there was a fire in it, I don't remember my first impression (laughs) per se, but I do remember thinking, well, that's a good ending because I didn't really want her to end up with Sydney. And, you know, I don't want her to just stay there with no reason or whatever and mm-hmm. but this time I was not even paying as much attention to the love story I mean I was like yes kiss kiss but other than that <laughs> I was like whoa Tom that's a crazy story that was interesting to get into like yeah <laughs> the whole fire and insurance and how indebted daddy is and I really was like I just this time Lord Babington and Arthur <laughs> Like, these are the two men from this show that I just w- want to be friends with.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: Because they're so good. And I just thought this episode was especially beautiful. I mean, I think they're all really pretty well shot. You know, they all take advantage of the landscapes and everything. But this one especially, I was like, gosh, another gorgeous shot. Another gorgeous shot. Yes, they saved all the
1: scenery shots for like the last episode. <laughs> just threw them all
2: in.
0: <laughs> yeah, the more they're outside, the better.
2: The more they're outside, the better. I think that's key. The interiors for Sanditon, I can't get my head around slightly. (laughs) I think that the lighting is off. It's really nitpicky of me. I I, I know. I feel like the set, I I feel like I can feel the set in that Mm -hmm. ballroom. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on a set. Like it felt very, I don't know if it's like there's, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like it's like the inverse of Bridgerton, right? Like the interiors are really lush mm-hmm. and they're moving the camera a lot and they've got great lighting. And then the exteriors, there's a lot of CG. So, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, you can kind of tell, but the inverse is happening on Sanditon where I'm like, get outside guys. Get outside <laughs> right now. <laughs> take well, advantage. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: I, I had, um, for my notes today, I had, Uh, watched a lot of the special features about like the set design and the costuming Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because a lot of the interior and I'll kind of get into it more was not on location it was on set a lot of it and so I think they kind of were at a disadvantage where they're instead of just having a predetermined size and filling it with whatever they could they're having to build it and to me a lot of it was too big. It was just, yeah. it felt so yeah. empty and, like, the lighting was really dark. So, it, yeah,
2: it affects the lighting and it affects the sound. Like, I could mm-hmm. feel, like, some echoing in there. And I'm like, ooh, the set's just not quite right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But still beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, we were, we've been doing a lot of, well, did you finish Bridgerton yet, Christian?
1: No. So, <laughs> I'm still on episode two. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah, well, because me and my partner are watching it together and mm. I don't, it's like one of these things where I think he's still deciding if he wants to watch it just because a lot of Regency stuff is not really his thing. So I like, I'm in that weird limbo where I'm like, I don't know if I can watch it by myself or if I can <laughs> like either wait. So, but I'm really excited to watch it, to watch it because I like I'll, the first episode a lot.
0: I'll put in a word for keeping to watch it with him. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably confront him today and be like, what do you want to do? release <laughs> well, me we have to
0: get to at least episode what, <laughs> four where things really get sexy
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah. <laughs> it's already like so overtly steamy and sexy in the first episode so I'm excited to see the <laughs> rest from what I've heard it gets way more it's
0: Ooh. the. I mean after having watched Sanditon so closely I'm like is Bridgerton a direct response to Sanditon I know it's a based on a book but it still feels <laughs> like it's speaking directly to it in certain ways oh, it but.
2: does feel like and I know you guys did discuss this in episode one, but I, I do think and I have a lot of thoughts on Andrew Davies and we can get there, <laughs> but I do think that's the direction he wants to go in. But yeah, there's some dif- there's some differences there.
0: Yeah. Yes. Well, knowing that that Northanger Abbey 87 was like such an inspiration to him and like it's got so much like weird sexiness to it and gothicness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I can see. <laughs> I can see. it. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little sexiness, though. No. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get us the notes.
1: Yes. All right. So notes for our eighth and final episode of season one. Our director is Charles Sturridge, who was... Is that a new person? I think he was the same director as the last episode. Oh, okay. So they kind of like do three and three, and then he did the last two. Gotcha. So we had that. And then our writer was Andrew Davies, and our story editor was Harriet Creelman. So I guess he wrote the final Did she story episode.
0: edit all of them? <laughs> I keep asking. Like, no. Go through all your old <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I, this is the first time I'm seeing her name. So I think it oh, was okay. just, she just did the last episode. But it was originally we didn't have any new characters. Obviously, we just kind of had some wrap up. But it originally aired in October twenty nineteen, which was you know twenty years ago.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow, a, what?
1: God, I was I definitely feel like I was feels a longer
0: person. than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today's actually my one year anniversary. <laughs> <Or> oh, <Dana. laughs> oh, right.
1: God. Yeah. I did kind of go through some of the special features after and it's kind of like some miscellaneous notes to kind of round out the whole series okay Uh, they were talking a lot about like the set design and the costuming and everything and uh, they were saying that the town that they cgi'd in was kind of based off of like a more western theme because they kind of wanted to not do explicitly like typical regency stuff they kind of wanted to play with a little bit of a just break the rules more and do more modern quote-unquote uh-huh. stuff it's so like but
0: when like what what is the western ideal of like you know making a new thing out going of going west building yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I, that makes sense i mean yeah i, I like that actually
1: yeah because they, they talked were visually lot. trying
2: to do that yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me yeah
1: because they were talking a lot about how they just wanted this to be different that this was mm-hmm. kind of like it felt like a jumping off point for them to start heading in a new direction with these adaptations Mm-hmm. So it was based off a more Western thing, and mainly inspired by uh, Gangs of New York and Deadwood, like, ex- wow. like explicitly taken from those movies and stuff. So, And then they went into the Sanditon house, which is Lady Denham's house slash palace, and <laughs> was completely like a set. All, almost all the, I would say pretty much all the interiors were shot on a set. The only wow. things not shot on a set were like the beach scenes and the town was kind of like a half and half they turned like the back of the exterior of lady denim's house into a street basically because it was so wide so it's just like the back lot of a palace basically
2: and i think too like because they had that black and gold with like the murals Mm -hmm. and i think It's really beautiful, but that Mm -hmm. just eats lighting, like lighting that, like whatever like light designer they had, like God bless them, because (laughs) I think (laughs) they're like, How do I make this look good? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Everyone in focus and well lit. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It always makes me feel like when we're in Sanditon, it's or in Sanditon House. I'm like, Lady D, what are you no wonder you're so crotchety all the time, you're living in this. Dark, Dark. huge, black paintings (laughs) all over the place.
2: (laughs) I think it's like one of those things that also sounds really, really good, like in the room or like Mm -hmm. as you're discussing it, like, oh, it's going to be like black and like gold and it's going to be sort of (laughs) dark and gothic and sounds great. And then the Mm -hmm. execution is just like, oh, shit. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's why the whole town has to show up anytime something happens there. It's like, yeah, <laughs> gather up a <and> posse. <laughs> we need to fill the room. <laughs> well,
1: it's like a lot of that sort of dark and gold is, does really well with like, uh, like candlelight. And so, if like, they had mm-hmm. internally lit the room instead of using natural light. I think it would have looked more full unless like it was eating up all the light. Yeah, And I think they had a, like, I love the idea of it, but they kind of said in this sort of detail about her interior that it was based on a combination of Corella Deville and Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Okay. So yeah. it's like,
2: a we could have gone further
1: there, I feel Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel
2: like Anne Reed was like, I'm actually just going to do my thing. <laughs> but yeah. for
1: yeah. <laughs> but it's like I can a lot see the of Catherine stuff. de
0: Bourgh. Yeah. The lady. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just think a lot of it like and I remember her the way they did her home in the 20 up uh, 20 the 2005 Pride and Prejudice it was very grand but it was very light like it was hardly any dark and so I kind of see that I think it kind of just didn't do well for them to do it with natural lighting <laughs> and then for the costuming they kind of chose a color palette that was more beachy tone so like that like light baby blues, the sandy tans, and stuff like that. And then they for the costuming, they tried to. Except for <laughs> Esther.
3: <laughs> yeah, except for Esther because yeah.
1: she's our our goth. She's a goth <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> but and you kind of see towards the at the end of this episode, like when we have the ball, that she starts to lighten up her wardrobe and everything. So it's kind yeah. of like mm-hmm. that turn for her. But they still kind of wanted to modernize it in a way and kind of mix that regency with a more more of that breaking the rules and especially with the men's appearance because apparently at the time it was like a very vain time for men with their clothing and appearance and yes. a lot of it was typically like their hair was always up in like a bouffant and very curly <laughs> and I remember the hair and makeup designer was like it doesn't look good on everyone which we've seen yeah. in other adaptations yes. <laughs> so um, they kind of wanted to make it more of a fitting style for the person depending on so that's why you see more people with just like quaffed back hair or just straight slicked back
2: i'm really glad that you brought that up i have to say because hannah and i are working on a chapter for an austin book that's about adaptations and so we've been reading so much film critique Mm -hmm. of various adaptations and a lot of times and like god bless them like a lot, a lot of my friends are academics. They come on our show, love them, but mm. they will get hung up on historical details. Right. And I feel like there's always a... Gent- there needs to be a reminder of, like, this is, like, the storytelling business. It's
3: right.
2: slightly different. <laughs> and working <laughs> with actors yes. is yeah. a whole different thing. And, like, making them look good is just... You do need to modernized to not only like appease the actors and make them feel comfortable so they're able to work but mm-hmm. then also like so the audience is not completely thrown off as well or just right. distracted or repulsed right. or, you know so, yeah. yeah
1: i think the, the distracting element is probably like the biggest thing of what takes people out of these period pieces yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah Like 60 teenage girls in white dresses can get a little hard on the (laughs) eyes. It can be hard on the (laughs) (laughs) eyes. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think especially with this adaptation, because really the only thing, part of it that was based off of the novel, the part of the novel that she wrote was really the first maybe one or two episodes. So the rest of it Mm -hmm. is completely made up, and I think it totally gives them liberty to play with the costuming and play with the characters Mm -hmm. and kind of. Just make them, in my opinion, I don't want to, it's going to be like a sound harsh, but make them more interesting, I think, than they would have been Mm -hmm. if we had like a straight novel to go off of, just because of the difference of the time periods.
0: Yeah, more modern for sure. Yeah, Totally.
2: Even with the, like, even if we're like adapting a modern book to something that we've been talking about a lot, like, I mean, if we were adapting a modern novel that's set right now during this pandemic, I don't know about you guys, a lot of my friends and colleagues, were on like, we're in like sweatshirts. And,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I, there is like some sweatpants that I've been wearing for a very long time that are not looking so hot right now. And if they were to adapt the story of my life, I would hope that they would just bring up the Shush wardrobe a little bit on sweats. screen. you know? <laughs> right.
1: Well, it's like, you know, with novels, it's you can totally stick with, like, the more realistic stuff and kind of describe it because then people kind of, in their own mind, form it in a way that they think is the most acceptable. With, like, visual stuff like limited series and movies, you kind of have to make it more widely appealing. And you kind of yeah. have to make a concrete decision of what it's going to be. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure, like, you know, we don't really have photos from that time so much, so it's not to say there wouldn't be more variance in clothing than what we get from like these books on what people were wearing and stuff like that so I like it (laughs) yeah for sure I did notice the men were especially like dressed up like I think Mm -hmm. maybe in the last episode when they were all at the um regatta I was just like so many cravats and like Fuzzy hats, and I was just like, "Yeah, the men are more peacocking than the women in this adaptation, for (laughs) sure."
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like you know the I. What I find more interesting about this adaptation is that is the costuming and the modernization of the male characters a little bit, Um, because most of the time in these adaptations, I don't really care about the male characters because they are kind of presented more boring and. Just don't like think they Jane are...
0: not cared as much about the male characters either. So. Right.
1: I, mean, I think right. that's that's
2: an Andrew Davies thing. I think that he, yeah, right. he's he cares a lot more about the male right. characters. Which is like yeah.
1: there. I think this is more of an acceptable caring of them in a in a sense. Just because I don't want the story to be about them, but I at least mm-hmm. want them to be a part of the story in a, in an equal yeah. sort of way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, you I get just get to know I, what yeah.
0: their motivations are.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I want to see them have more personality rather than just be mean all the time. And then the last part of my notes is I found an article on PBS that was about some of the cast's last wishes based on the finale for their characters.
3: Oh, that's um, interesting. And
1: it's, it's only three of them. It's Rose Williams, Leo Suter, and Crystal Clark for their characters. So I kind of wanted to just read like what they said about what they hope their characters do or what they get up to after Sanditon. So for Rose Williams, for Charlotte, she basically said that she hopes Charlotte would uh, fulfill her true dreams and desires outside of pursuing a marriage to save her heartbreak and that she hopes she continues to pursue her interests in architecture and the world of development and doesn't just think, oh, I better go and find a suitable match. And that she hopes she takes her heartbreak (laughs) and learns from it and decides to continue to go out in the world and isn't tainted or doesn't hold back. So kind of like similar have we been wanting.
0: I agree. I don't see that happening for Charlotte. Like, I feel like she seems like the kind of girl who can move on. It wasn't that long of a crush.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. And you can see in the final farewell between her and Sydney that she wasn't like completely still torn up about it. She was definitely still kind of like feeling sour, but... She was like, you need to get away from me. And then uh, Leo Suter, who plays young Stringer, said that he wishes for Stringer to be a little bit more hardened and a little bit more world weary so that he he can begin to stake his claim and his voice would grow a little louder and a little stronger because he's got all the good heart and everything inside us, right? He just needs a little bit more strength and a little bit more confidence in his voice. And I think that's kind of what I've been talking about this yeah. whole time about young stringer is that he's a little too clean and a little too innocent to be kind of a suitable. I think this whole time I've been saying a suitable match for Charlotte, <laughs> but really for anyone, he's just kind of a blank slate in a way.
0: Yeah. He's still got yeah. dreams to fulfill. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. And then for Crystal Clark, who plays Georgiana, she said that she hopes she really takes her time in Saniton to become the strongest version of herself. And that she imagines her traveling the world with Otis returning home to beautiful Antigua and making use of her large fortune to fund the abolitionist movement in the West Indies, and she said, "What a dope season that would be, I agree. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> be really awesome. I mean, the last
2: part of it almost feels like the woman of color, so mm-hmm. it's interesting that she brings that up:
1: Oh yeah so I thought that was really interesting because it's kind of in line with what we were kind of hoping for these characters the whole time and what we wanted for them, so that was really.
0: Yeah. I would definitely be interested to see what they would do with a season two. Would they have, well, first of all, would they have the same writers? Would they have new writers? And where would they take the characters? Because some of the places they took the characters in the first season, I was like, is this really a good use of our time? But
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd appreciate more different writers. Uh, Just incorporate more maybe black female writers to write Georgiana's story and kind of shape that world because we i feel like towards the end looking back we just didn't get enough i feel like in my opinion
0: yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely have some things to say about where we leave georgiana in the okay. yeah <laughs> same here same here <laughs>
2: should we talk about georgiana
3: <laughs> <Absolutely>.
1: have you <laughs>
2: Have you guys had the discussion on the show about Crystal Clark and sort of feeling unsupported by the production? How she stated that publicly? And that sort of... And the storylines and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Christian did talk about how um, she said that there weren't, you know, a lot of, there weren't people of color writing or behind the scenes who could really, Mm -hmm. you know, steer the story. She essentially
1: was the only person of color on the entire show. So it's like, Basically telling them not to give too much credit, but I did. What I did find sort of comforting to read as a person of color is that she found a lot of like uh, refuge in Rose Williams. They kind of yeah. had a, a very tight bond, and that she mm-hmm. felt like she was always supported at least by her on the set, and so she never felt completely out like out on her own, which was great.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, that's always been my kind of commentary on this adaptation is I liked it but I just wish there was more more of that aspect on it
2: yeah I I feel like I had a I I do have vested interest in this as a woman who is a woman of color and I'm also working on a project that is like a an adaptation of the book the woman of color which it's possible that Austin read that and was inspired to write Miss Lamb Mm -hmm. uh, based on the plot of that novel and there are some very interesting similarities in the show, too. So I almost wonder if it was referenced in the writer's room.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: um, so, yeah, I, I feel the same. Like, I feel like one thing that's happening in film, television, publishing, and, and I mean in all industries, but something I've definitely had a lot of personal experience with is some, you know, you're working with some media company and they say like, OK, we, we've cast this black character and that's mm-hmm. kind of enough. And Rashid. they don't actually, they
1: don't you know, bring <laughs> along
2: day. support, right? They're like, yeah, see, we've got we've got a token black woman, like we're right. fine, and they actually don't have like maybe some thoughtful conversations in the room about you know really what we're gonna do with the, how we're gonna present that history, like how we're gonna support that actress because I do I do feel for her that she was such a target, especially mm. when it aired and you know the abuse that she was getting online and whatnot, right? So. That stuff, I feel like the production really needed to be aware of, um, because these are not conversations that are new. And I will say just Mm -hmm. within my own career in the past 15 years, these are conversations that being one of the few people of color behind the scenes, I've been like, okay, but we need to do this, 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 and this. And usually the powers that be go, well, we've cast a black person, so we're fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've done our due diligence. We've done it.
2: We've done it. So yeah, I think that was That's like kind of like my big sore point with Mm -hmm. Sanditon. And yeah, we can we can get into those. (laughs) Uh oh. I'll go back to this one point thing with uh, with the fragment of the novel. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Is that you know, Miss Lamb is not obviously a huge character. We don't know where Austin was going with this character. Right. I would have loved to have seen it, but I do think it's very interesting that she called her Miss Lamb and like Sanditon is all about money in Mm -hmm. this town that eats money and it just does feel like she was going to be like a lamb to the to the slaughter like it does feel like she was going to try to maybe deal with with money class and race Mm -hmm. all all in one go and that's very very exciting and i feel like if i were in that writer's room i'd say like this is i think where austin is going and we could take this some really interesting places yeah (laughs) and we did not. No, <laughs> we spent a lot of time
0: developing Sydney, not to his yeah, <laughs> which surprises I, me yes. in a room of white men that um, you still can't get the main protagonist right. <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: I don't know. I found, what I found so interesting looking back is kind of like the mention sh- they, because they do tend to. I think we've only had one other adaptation where they maybe just mentioned in passing the British Empire's history with slavery. And I think in this one, it's so interesting that they mention that it's been outlawed in England, but that it's still going on in the mm-hmm. the uh, colonies and that they don't necessarily dive into it further. And it kind of just mirrors how they went on set where they've got Crystal Clark on set and then they're not going to talk about the rest of it. So it's kind of like they've, they're like, oh, we've done our due diligence. And right, they've, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like the, the, blindness to how easy it could be just fixed if they have the power
0: yeah mm-hmm. a great reason to do a season two you know exactly <laughs> you could really explore yeah. some of these topics because exactly. you've already set up the basis for it exactly <sighs> yeah Okay, well let's go ahead and get into the no or, I mean the recap because Yes. <laughs> oh <laughs> gosh, like, yeah. For 45 minutes <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we start off, we have Charlotte. She's, you know, doing her normal beach-, beach walking and she's walking through town. She sees Sydney. They give each other some looks, significant looks. <laughs> She's she great see- hair
2: in these scenes too. Oh, by the way. I know.
0: It's getting better. The like great the hair. further we go, <laughs> those beach girls are coming. The beach really in. is good for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yes. And I noticed some like little freckles on her nose. I'm like, you do look like you've been spending a summer at the beach. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I love it. She goes to Georgiana's and she is trying to tell her that she's starting to see a different side of Sydney. And she kind of smiles as she tells Georgiana about Sydney's compliment that he feels his truest self with her. And Georgiana says, Oh no, you're in love with him. <laughs> yeah,
1: you can't.
0: And she has a very telling line where she's like, You can't trust a word he says. And I'm like, Yep. He's you got, he's got to show you with actions, mm-hmm. right? We don't really and suppose. how
1: and like just like the foreshadowing of what comes at the end because she's like you cannot trust anything he says and then at the end he you know yeah. he does what he does so
0: right <laughs> I got so much to say when we get to the end okay oh yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, young Stringer has gotten a letter and it's good news. He got an apprenticeship. It's everything he's ever wanted. And now he has to tell dad.
1: (laughs) Oh, Stringer.
0: I know. This this episode does a lot of jumping back and forth and back and forth. So it might seem a little crazy in the notes. But (laughs) Lady D and Esther are playing cards. Their relationship is funny. I would have loved if there was a season two, to see them living together a little bit longer, but Mm -hmm. because they're all like eye rolls, but secretly amused with each other the whole time. Mm -hmm. Oh
1: yeah. Two sides of the same coin.
0: Yeah. They're just really funny together. Lord Babington arrives and he wants to go for a carriage ride. Lady D insists and... Esther seems reluctant, but I'm wondering if now it's more of a reluctance for Lord Babington's benefit, since we know that he kind of likes that about her, because she's definitely smiling underneath it all.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And then they go for a drive on the beach, and they're just too cute. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Babington won't believe that Esther isn't happy to be there, and... Esther does seem to be enjoying herself. She takes the reins and speeds up the horses and they actually laugh and be it'd still, my heart. It's a beautiful scene. <laughs> <It> <laughs> I got is. a little teary, just yeah. you know, happy tears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's always yeah. a great scene with Org Babington. And I, I think he, it, and I've said this before, he's the best male Austen character that's I think in any adaptation I've watched just because there doesn't seem to be any of that toxicity that toxic conflict that we get from a lot of the male characters which i know she didn't write the rest of it but just i i just he's my favorite that's <laughs> so i'm trying to say
0: yeah well he's definitely got i feel like he's the one of the more modern characters that yes. i've ever seen for sure yeah because you know, yeah okay so uh, back at trafalgar house tom is playing with the children then he talks to charlotte a little there's a midsummer ball coming up so i guess we're in july (laughs) and sydney arrives and wonders if charlotte needs anything in town which of course she does (laughs) and mary is in the background watching and i'm wondering is she picking up on this because she seems to know what's going on
1: oh for sure but
0: there's not really any hinting towards it per se in the future like She's like, okay, well, I know it sucked, but goodbye. (laughs) She doesn't like, oh. But we'll see. I know Babington knows what's going on.
1: For sure.
0: Esther comes home. (laughs) Lady D sees that she's happy. Uh, But Esther thinks Babington is a fool for loving her and for thinking that she could love him as much. And lady D says it's way better to be loved than to love especially in a marriage <laughs> and she's I mean, not bad advice no. <laughs> like, she's, she's like, like lady, <laughs> it could be worse <laughs> right seriously she says she's speaking from experience before she was married she was in love with a handsome man who kept her dangling and then married a rich girl and they're bonding <laughs> little
2: little <laughs> foreshadowing there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I like to hear a little bit about Lady Den- denim's. I can't even say it anymore. <laughs> no, I'm telling <just> you to say Lady <laughs> D. <laughs> I like hearing about her past.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so Sydney and Charlotte are walking to town. And they're kind of awkward with each other. They're talking about the ball. And somehow they've walked away from town, but no one is sorry for it. Sydney just wants to be alone with her. And they've been thinking about each other. And then woohoo they kiss <laughs> and they said, I could still be excited even if I don't love Sydney <laughs> yes, we don't get a ton
1: of them in Austin work so it's exciting regardless
0: it's like on this beautiful hilltop with the water in the background yeah it was a really pretty
1: yeah film. at this point I kind of had a, a thought creep in that was kind of later affirmed by the ending where it seems like we're not getting any sort of like public affirmations from Sydney towards Charlotte about how he feels about her. It always feels like it's, like, behind the scenes or it has to be away from people. And which I feel like if it was public, it wouldn't be a big deal.
0: Yeah. Although this episode made me think, like, the second you mutually form a crush with someone you get married <laughs> in regency time
1: like, I, <laughs> I also had a thought about like how quickly everyone was like oh, i guess i'm in love
0: <laughs> well, i like you oh will you marry me <laughs> yeah
1: so i was like oh okay yeah.
0: uh, so maybe he just hasn't had enough time to you know show his love to the world
1: maybe it just get the
0: benefit of the doubt
1: <laughs> yeah it just kind of gave me that weird sinking feeling of like he can't commit 100% and he wasn't going to ever yeah. because, it, you know, whatever happens.
2: Yeah. I agree. <sighs> well, doing it publicly definitely would commit because it would it would right. signal to everyone else that she, and also it would, for her
0: reputation and for her sake. Right. Yeah. He can't really buy in just yet. So, I guess it's a good thing he didn't then for her reputation's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously.
1: the <laughs> long run.
0: Okay, so that night, Georgiana is getting ready for the ball, as are the Beaufort girls. Charlotte and Mary both look pretty. Esther made an effort. All the boys have butterflies. (laughs) (laughs) And Mary seems like... uh, Well, I guess I wrote Mary seems like she's expecting a proposal, so I guess maybe she did definitely know what was going on.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And Georgiana is looking at Otis's picture in her locket. I wish Otis had made another little... (laughs) You know, appearance in this last episode, besides just the picture. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I guess I did think about that. Time. Yeah, that was my thing. Cause, like, I I do want him to come back. I do think that they are really good for each other. But I think the situation that he put her in was one of those where it's going to take her a long time to kind of trust him again. Um, but I did kind of like. At this point because we're not really getting hardly any Georgiana I feel like she had been relegated to kind of like a background character yeah just kind of sad felt like to they see. didn't quite
2: either know what to do with her or they were very deliberately like we won't do anything until season two
3: right yeah yeah
0: I think they were kind of like well we wrapped up her main storyline I mean I was glad that mm-hmm. she was at least in the first half of the episode with the the dancing and everything
1: because mm-hmm. I couldn't story.
0: remember if she was in it or not but I think I know why I thought that, because they kind of <laughs> don't even say goodbye to her in the end. Okay, we'll get there. Right. So young Stringer is also dressed up for the ball, but first he has to have his word with dad, who is up a ladder. So I guess his leg is healed. <laughs> <Jeez>.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> young Stringer tells old Stringer about his apprenticeship and Old Stringer thinks he's just trying to impress Charlotte and he, that he thinks he's too good for the life he has. And young Stringer speaks angrily to his dad and slams the door on his way out. I feel bad for Old Stringer in this scene because I don't feel like he's being, like, I don't feel like he's, like, needling him so much as just being like, you're going to leave me? <laughs> you know, I feel like that was <laughs> what he was really thinking. <laughs>
1: Probably. But yeah it's it's a mixture of that and it's that idea that he expressed earlier in the show where it's like you how like how dare you think that you can like think it's like he's thinking that young stringer thinks that what he has right now is so shitty and it's that idea of like why would you want to do better you think it's so bad the life I've given you and it's it's tough to see
0: oh so sad okay at the ball everyone is dancing everyone is ravishing Sydney tries to ask Charlotte to dance, but Tom waylays him and but it doesn't stop him from staring at her. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Griffiths and the girls come in. The reverend asks her to dance and uh, the Beaufort girls are shipping it. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> she loves that reverend for some reason.
0: <laughs> I know. We're going to have a second marriage. Seriously. <laughs> Georgiana asks Sydney what he's up to with Charlotte. She doesn't trust him not to ruin her happiness as well, and luckily for Sydney, Arthur wants to dance with Georgiana,
1: and she perfect. seems
0: pretty happy too. <laughs> she seems to really enjoy yes. the dancing.
1: Yeah, they're best friends now, which is what I thought this should be from the beginning. So Fair perfect,
0: yeah. best friends. <laughs> so Sydney moves towards Charlotte again, but doesn't make it before Young Stringer asks her to dance. And as they're dancing, he tells her about his apprenticeship, and she's very happy for him. Meanwhile, dun, 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 old stringer is up a ladder again. Yeah, we keep cutting between him and the dance, but he doesn't look very good. Charlotte admits that she ha- may have found a reason to stay in Sanditon. And back, we see that old stringer is having a heart attack. Un- <laughs> Young Stringer, however, at the dance, seems genuinely happy for Charlotte and Sydney. Meanwhile, old Stringer is dying.
1: (laughs) It was a weird, (laughs) weird dichotomy.
0: Yeah, it's like going back and forth between like, look how happy you are, but you're going to be so sad in a minute.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tragic, tragic death.
0: (laughs) So tragic. Okay, Babington is asking Sydney what he's waiting for and hopes he receives a favorable answer so he knows the score too and he hopes they both do as Esther walks in the door Diana is on the sidelines looking sad to be alone while Arthur dances (laughs) (laughs) we definitely need more Diana if there was ever going to be a second season because I'm very intrigued by her
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we got a lot out of her this episode.
0: <laughs> She's like me if I was on emergency. <laughs> like, hypochondriac. Not as hypochondriac, but like, oh, please stay with me. <laughs> don't want to be Talk with another rule. <laughs> uh, Babington asks Esther to dance. Arthur does some pirouettes <laughs> 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 until he exhausts himself and. Uh, I also like the way when he falls down, Georgiana's like, you, stranger, come finish this dance with me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: she is like, I'm not done
3: yet.
0: <laughs> I'm finally having fun and I'm going to keep it up. Okay, so Charlotte joins Sydney up on his perch where he yelled at her the last time. And he admits that he was wrong about that. <laughs> Thank you. Hmm, finally. And hopes he is now a different man. I don't know yeah. if you can say you're a different man within like... Two weeks, but <laughs>
2: Yeah. Not sure about yeah, that bachelor esque timeline there.
1: Yeah, so where's that Regency <laughs> therapy?
0: Yeah, I went, hmm. get Dr. Faed you know. here.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Charlotte tells him that he is the same man, but much improved. And he says that he's never wanted to care for someone else like he wants to care for her. And just then an ordinary and drunk Edward appears to mess it all up.
2: That's my favorite part. I love whenever <laughs> anyone comes in and, like, interrupts a ball or has, like, an outburst at a yeah. formal event. Yes. I like an outburst at a formal event. <laughs>
1: it's the most unexpected. I did not expect it. So I was like, oh, you're I bad. Know.
0: I was, Yes. I forgot we <laughs> even came into this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he confronts Esther in front of everyone, rude, wanting to know if she still loves him, and she tells him to go. And Lady D wants him put on the next coach to London. So Sydney goes to see to it. Esther is distraught, of course. But Lady D is like, I don't judge her at all.
1: That was really sweet. I feel like that everyone
0: at this ball is very accepting of everyone, you know, like I know at the beginning when Georgiana came in everyone was like ooh, twitter twitter, but now she just seems like a normal part of the crew and nobody seems to be giving Esther too much of a side eye. I'm like, I guess the it's people say to it are nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: they really are. I think I think that's where I clash with Davies a lot and that I'm really interested in like things like money and gossip. Mm-hmm. And this would be such a scene amongst people, like people that didn't quite witness it, people that are in the back, like right. drinking, you know, tea or punch or whatever. Like, did you just hear like what happened? Like, oh my God, what's going on with her? Like, that would be fascinating yeah. to watch people sort of unpack the right. drama that just unfolded. But they're just like, no, we got to move on. This is the season finale. We got to keep going. <laughs> we <laughs> we got a fire <laughs> Yeah, we got a fire. We have a death. It's like too much. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'd I,
0: love to see the Beaufort girls or Miss Griffiths twittering, you know. Yeah, about it. Mm-hmm.
1: I do. Yeah, I do agree. Because if you look at the outbursts, like before it's like completely over, people just start dancing again. Yes! Like, they <laughs> don't even like react to it. They're just like, all right, let's start dancing in a circle.
2: I feel like, what is going on? I <laughs> yeah, mean, they I dance like, through <laughs>
0: the whole fire. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> They're like, we're dancing. We cannot suffer anything. We can't. Right. Okay, so uh, Diana and Arthur are walking back. Diana's upset because she thinks that Arthur is in love with Miss Lamb and that they're going to get married and she's going to be left alone. And he Mm -hmm. says, no, we're just pals. And I was like, Arthur's gay, right?
1: (laughs) This was a very highly queer-coded scene for me. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if it's just me, but... (sighs) He's like, I don't understand women. He's like, I
0: don't understand women or how they work. I don't want to be married to one.
1: (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I something I hope that maybe if we do ever get a season two, we can get maybe a dip into that, and maybe it'll be a more modernized telling than most period pieces tend to be with this stuff because it's Mm -hmm. usually very like service level.
0: Yeah. That would be very interesting, for sure. And I feel like they're setting it up like this is where we wanted to go, kind of. Mm -hmm. But regardless, Diana is very happy to hear it. (laughs) But they spy in a window, a fire, and rush to raise the alarm. Back at the dance, Lord Babington is talking to Esther. She thinks that he's going to be disgusted by her disgrace. And he says he doesn't care. He loves her. And he doesn't even care if she loves him back. And it's enough that she trusts him and that he doesn't wish to own her. He just wants to make her happy. I wrote, I'm crying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you so sweet.
0: And then she accepts his proposal and they kiss. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it will take very long at all before she falls in love with him for reals. I mean, she already has, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. Completely
1: opens up mm-hmm. and just is happy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she's just you know exiting that
2: toxic relationship. She's got a lot of she's, she's got a lot ahead of yeah, ahead <laughs> of her. Yeah, she's got to sort of de- unpack that, yeah. move into the next thing.
0: Yeah. They're the big love story of the season in my opinion and Yeah, they we they get are in the marriage. And, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: Okay, so at the fire bucket 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 brigades have started. Diana tell, rushes to the dance to tell Tom uh sydney is already helping charlotte rushes in and starts to help stringer rushes in it's just very terrible although they Mm -hmm. do appear to be spraying water at closed windows
1: i Um... (laughs) said the same thing (laughs) i said how is this fire going to be put out through a closed window unclear (laughs)
0: yeah unclear how that's gonna
2: work
1: (laughs) i did also appreciate how they were like all showing up with like the buckets and everything and charlotte was like Form a line. What are you doing? (laughs) Like, because she had to instruct them on how to properly put out a fire. Well,
2: I feel like this scene was really interesting, too, to that point of, like, Sanditon, obviously, we've put a lot of, like, time and money and emphasis on, like, the pleasure aspects of the seaside town, but we have not really thought about, like, basic infrastructure. (laughs) And that's, like, one of the problems, right? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Right.
1: Well, it's, like, it's it's been, like, a deep dive into the more affluent parts of it and like the laboring parts but we don't get like the everyday people like the butcher and the baker like who are these people
2: and why did
0: tourists (laughs) right who
2: are the tourists yeah i want to know yeah i mean but all of that the butch like everything because this is yeah this is about like money and the leisure class Mm -hmm. and like what a what a resort town would do to the working class as well. Right, if anyone, yeah. If anyone lives in a tourist city, I think we kind of know, like... <laughs> we want to see What it. happens, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how exactly Tom makes money from this town. Is it just, like, he's the landlord of all these buildings and is getting rent on them?
2: Okay, we'll get would, to all I of this. I want because... that. I want to know that. <laughs> yes.
0: Because we're about to get to where this would be relevant, but... um. hmm Okay. Night turns to day. The fire goes out. Charlotte goes to visit Stringer. Old Stringer is dead, of course, and young Stringer is beating himself up over their last conversation. It's a very touching scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Tom and Sydney survey the damage. Tom is despondent. Sydney tries to keep his spirits high very like Sydney that we know from the past <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. until he finds out that Tom did not have insurance <sighs> Tom. Arthur I know I mean come on is the one way to prevent fire is to have fire insurance <laughs> yes. especially
1: in that time where everything is flammable except the dirt like yeah. Every single thing is flammable. And so, this is where my theory that I mean, Sydney to me is still the worst character, but this is to me where my theory of Tom being almost just as bad as Sydney, just almost yeah. comes into play because as we find out as the story goes on, he doesn't really ever do anything to like fix mm-hmm. his situations. He just puts them there and relies on everyone else to fix it. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Tom is a hype man for. <laughs> totally. sure. he's nothing he doesn't have much else he should be the one else. going to the
0: bank and trying to get money while someone else practically runs the town mm-hmm. <laughs> right. well, I, what's so yeah
2: oh go
1: ahead. i was just saying what, what's so crazy is that he like you said he's a hype man but he's such a poor hype man because mm-hmm. <laughs> the reason that people come is for charlotte is because of sydney it's <laughs> because mm-hmm. of all these other people bringing people in and he no one likes him <laughs> for some reason <laughs> i just don't know He's just
2: well, terrible. I think what's interesting in the in the fragment of Sanditon is that you have, it feels like it's very much, it's starting, we're starting from Tom's POV. Right. Like we're really rooted in Tom and he's an unreliable narrator, which is something that I love. I love an unreliable narrator. <laughs> I love that he's like confused in the beginning of like, does this town have a surgeon? It does have a surgeon. Like I, I've done this research, but I've done this research very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> so he Yeah, I I think that that's very interesting, and it kind of goes back to I mean, what was Jane Austen trying to do with Sanditon? Even the name, it's like sand, you know, it's a town built on sand. It's like Tom's dreams are completely (laughs) just like a (laughs) souffle. That's, you know, yeah. Blown (laughs) away. Blown away, yeah.
0: Are the Parkers from there originally? Is that like their family home?
2: It was his birthplace, okay. it, it says in the novel. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So Arthur, being the best guy in the world, immediately volunteers his inheritance to rebuild. And I said, <laughs> I would marry Arthur and let him live whatever kind of bachelor life he wanted.
1: Yes. <laughs> Just eat all the good food.
0: Get all like, the good Arthur, treatments.
1: Arthur, run. <laughs> yes. <laughs> get out of there. <laughs> get out.
0: Okay. And then Tom admits that that wouldn't help because he is eighty thousand pounds in debt that's millions millions of yeah i would say for one uh, building burning down that's insane
1: what's like tom (laughs) (laughs) i mean there was there was such like a big hubbub about georgiana's fortune being a hundred thousand and how she's like the richest person ever and then it's like okay you're that much in debt so yeah what were you spending it on
0: And how will one building go like burning down destroy all of his prospects for money in the future? It hadn't even been opened yet. Hadn't even been finished. So I don't like I just don't understand how this building can I mean, like, will all his debtors now want their money back because a building in Sanditon burned down or I think well, Tom's I going down. I feel like he's going to it.
2: I mean, if there's any justice in the world, but he might just be another real estate developer that gets away with everything. I don't know. <laughs> Probably.
1: <laughs> it's. I think of what it is. Is like that was like. It's all the future prospect, like the money that he was going to get from those buildings. But it's also like I'm sure the money that he's taken to invest in the workers, the extra workers that they got, all the materials and everything. And now he's going to have to do it all over again for the stretch of building. And he's clearly not necessarily been making any money, which is crazy to think about because that lady Susan was there and I'm sure she spent money.
0: I know, but like, that's what I I I was confused about. Like, I know it will bring money to the town, but like, Mm -hmm. how does it directly give him money does he like get a cut of all the hotel rooms that are rented you know like i just i'm
1: sure
2: i'm sure he does but i I wish that we had like really set up the financials
3: yeah
1: yeah
2: in this because i think that's That's something that's needed really in like all of Austin's adaptations, because I think a lot of characters, a lot of their traits get caught up in like, that's just a weird personality trait where it's actually like it's a money driven situation. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And
2: we don't understand what the money is, as I think a lot of times the screenwriters or the directors or whoever go, that's not really interesting, or people are not going to really get hung up on that. But I think... I think it is. I think it is. It is a bit. I need I did, to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, I need to like know what the, main the stakes are.
0: Force of their entire culture is like, I mean, getting married is all about money, so mm-hmm. and everything living and yeah.
2: and it relates so much to like today too. Like I feel like we can make a really we can make some really great parallels between right. Sanditon and this resort town and like things that are happening in modern day society right. as well. <laughs> you know, love, marriage, Great elements to do that, and relationships are great elements to do that. But also money, because that's something people relate to and they understand. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's probably for me at least. It was one of the most mysterious and confusing things about a lot of these Regency pieces because I, and even like broken down into like the servants. I'm like, do they get paid weekly? Like how yeah,
3: <laughs> how does this work? On.
1: I don't understand how they get money and like the idea that a hundred thousand pounds is. Like, you're going to live, like, in the top-tier comfort for the rest of your life. You don't have to work again. Like, how does that work? I don't understand how she's able to keep that money if she's constantly spending. So I'm not, like, the spending of it is
2: so mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that could have been, it could have been broken. I mean, in every adaptation, I feel like it needs to be, like, we need to figure out a way of, like, how to to translate that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) someone needs to do a Regency-based tv show that's like about like a banker (laughs) (laughs) money yeah i mean the the piece that we're
2: working on right now it's about like mr collins and money and i think one thing that really gets i mean we all know that like the estate is entailed to him but i think what sometimes gets lost is that he's like a this man that's really in the gray area Mm -hmm. and he's like a young guy who's like not only just sort of he just sort of happens to have had this awesome job just thrown at him so he's like mm-hmm. oh I've not had a great life and suddenly I have this great job and then also I'm getting this inheritance Right. and so he's this guy that's kind of like caught between stations and it does draw it you understand him better when you sort of understand his yeah. financial situation I think and yeah. so I I need to know Tom's driving force for like what he's doing with this money. Yeah. Is he just an idiot or like is yeah. there something else going on? I think we so. got a
1: taste of that sooner like earlier in the show where he, you know, is promising all these extra workers and then buys Mary a necklace and she's like, "What are you yeah. doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Stop yeah. spending money."
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, well the Parkers kind of you know, decide that they're going to stand together to fix this problem. Uh, meanwhile, Lady D is pissed. <laughs> she says that she will yeah. see him in the poorhouse or <laughs> debtor's prison, and mm-hmm. some things can never be forgiven. I would be pissed, too. I'd be like, I fire too. insurance, come on. It's literally the most basic thing.
2: <laughs> and I think, actually, that makes a great point of, like, Lady D, so It's have like, eyes I, I call her, she... <laughs> is more care like she's you know she has to be careful with her money and her fortune as a woman like she has to actually think about these things and tom apparently does not
1: right (laughs) i think it's that idea that you know him as a man he's able to go and ask for a moment or make more money right she's like what i've got is what i got
2: (laughs) yeah and i have to make some decisions yeah right
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah. Okay. Charlotte, though, manages to convince her to give them a week's grace. And I was thinking, you know, it would be cool if in the second season, if Lady D was like, Charlotte, why don't you come stay with me for the summer? Because I got nobody else living (laughs) here now. She needs a guest. Okay. Sorry. Be
1: great. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So Sydney has to leave to try to fix things, but he wants to finish that conversation with Charlotte when he returns. And yeah, their parting is kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to give all of the Sydney fans all of the like, you know, there's it's hot. I mean, there's some hot moments, so <laughs> I get it.
2: I mean, he's <laughs> a great summer fling. Like I would. Yeah, totally
1: <laughs> very attractive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then we go to Old Stringer's funeral and it kind of cuts between Sydney writing off. It's not a large funeral, but the Parkers are, and Charlotte are there mary finds tom in the church and he says that he he felt that he had to make a name for himself but now he's bankrupted himself he's let everyone down and her most of all but mary is encouraging and she says she believes in him and loves him mary is such a good lady <laughs>
2: just let him right off i, yeah. I, was... I know I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know man
1: just about the to same
0: together tom <laughs>
1: I wish this was kind of more because we've had that scene already from her earlier on where she's like kind of had that understanding moment and is like, all right, like, just as long as you're honest. And clearly he was, again, not honest with her because he didn't buy fucking fire insurance. So I would have appreciated more of her being like, you've not only bankrupted yourself, you bankrupted your entire family because we don't have any money.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Show us what the stakes are.
1: Because it right. feels like
2: Tom is just a little sad. And I'm like, I
0: feel like this is a dire situation.
1: Yes, he's <laughs> millions of dollars in debt. He doesn't have money yeah. to feed his family. So.
0: I mean, <laughs> how much did he spend on that marble room in his house where we see all those scenes with like, all of the white marble behind him and statues? I'm like, mm-hmm. you could just sell that room probably and pay your workers. Right.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. But I would
1: have found a very interesting scene based on what we're given about Mary is that she doesn't care about this those kind of things. She doesn't seem to be a very opulent person. And mm-hmm. so I would have loved a confrontation of her being saying to him, like, you did this all for yourself. I yeah. never asked for this. We never asked for this or expected it. And this was all your fault. <laughs> so yeah, I would have really <laughs> appreciate that.
0: Yeah. OK, so Charlotte is writing to her sister about what's going on. I'm guessing she never finishes that letter because Sydney returns <laughs> and Sanditon is saved. But when they're alone, he tells her that he was hoping to propose to her, but now he can't because he was obliged to get engaged to Eliza. What, what, what?
1: (laughs) The worst.
0: Charlotte says she's happy for him, though. She runs away in tears to properly (sighs) cry, and I'm like, I feel you, girl.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I knew the minute he came back, I was like, this is going to happen. We're going to bring back that woman
0: i mean is that really the only way you can get money that seems like the most easiest like okay well also should it be
2: saved i think that's the other question (laughs) should we all sacrifice our personal like life for this town built on sand i don't know (laughs)
1: Right, there's got to be a cheaper option than just rebuilding what's already there it can be a nice park, or it could be something yeah. cheaper. Should it be
2: something else? Should it not be Tom's vision? I think is maybe what <laughs> yes. we should all be asking.
0: <laughs> we just need to hire a town manager.
1: <laughs> yes. Keep Charlotte there to run to finances. Have she some seems elections. to know everything. <laughs> right,
0: right. God. Um, Eliza, I mean, I can't even. Okay. <laughs> okay, but there is some good news because... Esther is actually looking happy as she walks down the aisle. She looks so Yay. pretty. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Lady D is proud and everyone is happy for them. And I was like, there's our happy ending. Yes. <laughs> we got one.
1: I, I was pretty shocked at how sparsely attended it was, though.
0: Well, I bet Esther doesn't have a lot of yeah. friends.
1: No, but I, I, I feel like <laughs> You know, especially a high profile wedding back then, and considering that Lady D is kind of the investor, the supporter of the town, that Mm -hmm. they, everyone, especially after that whole ball scene, that everyone would be like, I gotta see this wedding.
2: And they would have showed up. Although, that is a big criticism that I have of the show, is that it does feel a little empty. It does feel empty. (laughs) I feel like a I need a bit. few more Which extras. I guess is
0: why he's 80,000
2: pounds debt. <laughs> yes, I no mean, yeah. He's, he's not even advertising. Like that's the no. thing. Like Shaw's <laughs> I mean, like the one there that is a fire.
0: fire. I'm not staying there anymore. <laughs> yeah. <sure.
3: laughs>
0: Plus, I feel like the wedding happened within like days of the proposal. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to tell, really, yeah. but
1: And then we do get a a, a comment about how rural and how I don't. What's I can't remember what the word Eliza used, but it was very country. country, Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, okay,
0: (laughs) okay. So uh, Lady D asks Charlotte about her marriage prospects, but gets distracted before she can respond. But she does call Sydney over before she leaves, and so he and Charlotte awkwardly make small talk again. But jealous Eliza butts in and drags Sydney away.
1: (laughs) The worst. I, I just, don't know I why like... she
0: would want to marry him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cause they're both ah. terrible.
0: I guess I just... it's like a victory in her like in her mind.
1: Yeah. Like, oh,
0: I got what I wanted.
1: <laughs> I just this scene was so I don't know. I felt like it was so unnecessary just because like when he comes over, it's almost like he just is like asked her like, How are you doing? <laughs> since I destroyed everything that you thought was going to happen to you. And mm-hmm. it just was so, like, flat. And then she comes in and kind of does all these digs. I feel like Eliza should have been our main villain because I feel like they tried to set up Edward and Clara as our main villains, but we kind of like them a little bit yeah, in different ways. Um, yeah. But I feel like there's not a likable quality about Eliza.
0: Yeah, because Eliza has, like, the kind of ugh, rudeness that is so typical of just like Mm -hmm. you know just people nowadays still there's a lot of that kind of like passive aggressive jealousy type stuff that goes on so I feel like she's very understandable so you don't really need like but why is she like this because you know she's gotten everything she wanted that's an easy one to know why she's (laughs) like that
1: right I think her backstory is so it's interesting enough to maybe do a little bit of a deep dive into just because she Left um, Sydney to go marry an older, richer man oh, who totally. ended up I'm dying. I'm sure she has so. an
0: interesting story too, yeah.
1: <laughs> it would have been interesting, but, you know, too yeah. so many characters already.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so Lady and Lord Babington are enjoying their marital bliss. They seem pretty content, and, you know, they wanted to have some sexy times in this show, but it's like, okay, that's about as little as you could possibly give us, but I right. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur and Diana are leaving. They're happy with each other and content to be snug at home. Stringer gets a visit from Charlotte. She wants to say goodbye. She doesn't know if she'll be back. He has decided not to leave for London until the new works are completed. Well, we need him there for season two. So, <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like you could yeah. probably pick up season two like in London, where Stringer's there yeah. and Sydney's there. And... Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> There's a lot to do. And I was kind of like, I felt like uh, young Sheard kind of got like the shit end of the stick for this whole show, just because he's kind of like a basic character up until this last episode where he experiences like grief after grief after grief.
2: Yeah. I know it was like growing on me in this episode too.
1: (laughs) I was like, I know I was like, I know I asked for him to be more hardened and more world weary, but not all at once, maybe kind of like a gradual (laughs) climb. Ugh, stringer. uh stringer
0: yeah and this scene where he's like uh, he knows that sydney is engaged and he's like um i don't i think that you're worth more than eliza or whatever right or yeah it's like oh swoon you know this is what i was right. waiting for from you <laughs> right the more, last second, more of <laughs> overt
1: flirting none of that mm-hmm. oh like minuscule stuff
0: yeah he's really a good guy though so he is. I like Who him Could probably made it much better. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so Charlotte hugs all the children goodbye. She wishes Tom luck on the rebuilding. She <laughs> thanks Mary for her kindness. Uh, Mary is like, I hope you don't regret coming here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that really got to me. I thought that was yes. hilarious, actually.
0: Charlotte's <laughs> so like, no, great
2: experience. Interesting experience. Gave me yes. a lot. I'm getting out right at the right time. <laughs> exactly. <Yes>. Perfect band day. <laughs>
0: yeah they all get a little teary, and uh, that's where I was like, What about a goodbye for Georgiana? <laughs> uh, Hello? Unclear
2: what's going on there yeah well, what I, have I we wanted to see her. them
0: tearily hug they were the yeah. relationship yeah. I was most invested in for the mm-hmm. first yeah. half of the show <laughs> the
1: best friends because like, I think like we got little blips of them like at their like most best friend level. they're doing each other's hair they're being they're being really intimate with each other about their relationships and I would have loved or at a least little like invite like a letter,
0: goodbye, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. An invite to for Charlotte to come to Antigua. Something something.
2: Something. <laughs> I think that has to do with too, like one of the things that bothers me about the show is that there is like sort of I'm not sure where we're rooted point of view wise. Right. Like should we be rooted in with the brothers, you know, the Parker brothers and seeing everything from their point of view cuz that's one story and then seeing it but seeing it through Charlotte and Miss Lamb's point of view is as diff- a different story. So I just am like where is the heart of the show and I cuz I felt like it was probably them.
0: <laughs> right.
2: But if it was like it would be like by that the cover scene. is Charlotte. <laughs> but yeah, now I feel like it maybe is just Charlotte and Sydney. I'm unclear. So like every episode I'm like I'm unclear like yeah. where we're grounded in the show because that seems like a very obvious thing obviously to have. Right. Georgiana there, so we could do like a proper yeah. goodbye, or even kick it off to the next series. But yeah. yeah,
0: and I think that's why I didn't know if Georgiana was in the end because I think I remember going, "Wait a minute, where's Georgiana? Why didn't she say goodbye to Georgiana?" Yeah. So when I remembered it back, you know, one slash five years later, <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: depending on how time is running, but um, I was like, I don't, I don't even know if Georgiana is in this one, but she was. She just. Kind of Barely. gets the shaft at the end. Okay, final scene. The coach is leaving. It stops on a hill because Sydney is in the way. This is like such a setup for like a big romantic moment. He he says he wants her to know that he doesn't love Eliza. And she's like, uh, no, you've got to <laughs> at least try to make her happy since you're marrying her. You yeah, can't just use her for this. her money. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> She says, maybe mature a little bit.
0: <laughs> just because I'm not there to tell you when you're being a dick does not mean you should continue to be one.
1: Exactly. Um. Stopping a fuckboy.
0: <laughs> so uh, he wishes her every happiness while restraining his urge to kiss her. And I did kind of want them to kiss one more time just because I was like, come on, give me something. But um, <laughs> she, she tearily gets back in the coach And the last shot is just, you know, her teary as she leaves. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a little bit of a, like, satisfied look on her face. A little bit like, well, that was quite the adventuresome summer. Way more than (laughs) I would have ever had at home.
1: (laughs) Right. I did appreciate that last scene of her, the way that she kind of like when they were kind of locking eyes and then she just quickly got back into the carriage, it was kind of like her in her own mind, I guess, saying like, you know, I'm not going to kind of play into your games and we're done. Like you need yeah. to kind of take responsibility for once in the show for what decision that you made <laughs> and commit to it.
0: Seriously. The number one thing about Sydney, take some responsibility. Yes.
3: <laughs> for what? <one. sighs>
0: uh, and I wrote, seriously Sydney, you're a miserable because of this woman for the last 10 years, and now you have ensured that she will continue to make you miserable for the rest of your life.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe it's what he deserves.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe you like laughs>
0: he chose it's the right ending
1: yep. for yep. him, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the character as
2: written, I feel like that feels right back yes.
0: it feels realistic <laughs> honestly it does
2: it, it does, does
0: it does yeah that's kind of what I appreciated about the show I'm like you know they set up all this we could do conventional romantic tropes but we're gonna be a little more realistic about how people really act and how they really would act and right. how things would really resolve and I do appreciate that do we have any favorite scenes
3: Gosh.
1: Um, I think I really uh, loved the ball scene, especially the dancing scene between Georgiana and Arthur.
3: <laughs> it's like,
1: kind of good to see, like, two characters I really loved have a connection and have a really joyous connection with each other. Yeah. And it just kind of made me want more of that. But it was a really happy scene, so I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah.
2: I noted it was that the outburst I really enjoyed. Well, I enjoyed when things build and then... Mm-hmm. Explode, which I think maybe Sanditon needed a little bit more of the building part (laughs) overall in the series to set the groundwork for a lot of these explosions. But yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you have um, a different favorite scene? Trying to
2: think if there is anything
0: else, really.
2: I feel like I kind of noted everything as we were doing the recap. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think my favorite would have been the carriage ride with Esther and Mm -hmm. Lord Babington where you finally see her smile and laugh and start being happy for once. And I really appreciated that. It was like yes. the love story that we needed in this show. Yes. <laughs> <Once> to <it> really <laughs> be Jane Austen.
2: <laughs> and the most surprising one too, which was interesting. I was
0: like, yeah. okay. Right. I
2: mean, I'm up for being surprised. That's the thing. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I was down for it.
1: Yes. Surprised by a fully healthy relationship. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, in the end, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> Esther probably still needs some therapy, but. <laughs> yeah, I
1: would uh, love to see Esther, like, as a mother, like, what would that look like? And how, like, just how she would, I don't know, react to children i just Do you think to she see stops that.
0: wearing black after this and just is like all nice and sweet and then one day edward shows up and she's like ah, buh, buh, buh. <laughs> get out <laughs> i hope or she does little,
1: little goth nods here and there in her wardrobe i mean yeah, a black hat I hope she maintains or,
3: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes she's a, we didn't she's get a any
0: clara guy. in this episode
1: no which was also kind of a little bit of a letdown for me. I found her more interesting than Edward personally, but I knew we needed to have that outburst. Mm-hmm. That's yeah.
0: We needed at least one of them to show up. I was kind of expecting what? like a Wickham style. I'm watching you get married from across right? the street or something. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into the deep dive this one i've been saving for a while just because you know we keep running out of time but i really want to do it because it's pretty interesting it's on edward ogle who was the person who created who kind of started worthing the town that sanditon is based on started growing it he's kind of based who tom is based on okay And this is from an article I found called Jane Austen's Worthing Connections. And I couldn't find the author, um, but the final paragraph says that the article is excerpts from the author's fully referenced 33-page article published in the Jane Austen Society Report for 2010. So I guess it is uh, peer-reviewed. Sounds like it was in Persuasions, possibly, there. Yeah, probably. Okay, so eight years after her visit, to worthing jane wrote to her sister sweet mr ogle i dare say he sees all the panoramas for nothing has free admittance everywhere he is so delightful now you need not see anyone else showing that the sisters had kept in friendly contact with him over the eight years since they had first visited worthing four years before her visit in 1801 Edward Ogle purchased Warwick House and its estate, which consisted of a substantial amount of land in the heart of town. His arrival in Worthing was the catalyst for its transformation into a thriving seaside town. He first built the Colonnade, which consisted of three lodging houses and a library. And in 1803, he was chosen to be the first chairman of the Board of Commissioners for Worthing. His first decision was to lay a brick drain along the length of the town and then the next year built a road between Worthing and West Grinstead, giving the town good communications with London. Which just proves that he's way more um, practical than the Tom <laughs> from the show. Yeah. <laughs>
1: way more practical. He
0: didn't build a big fancy terrace first, he built a drain, which is <laughs> something much go. needed in Regency <laughs> times after jane's visit there he built a theater and a market and a hotel and terrace when jane was staying there news reached the town of nelson's naval victory over the french which may have been why she decided to name the house trafalgar house in the novel that she was writing edward died two years after jane austen's death Some of the buildings he was responsible for have survived his time, most notably the Stein Terrace. Unfortunately, his name is nowhere commemorated in the town. So I just thought that was interesting. Real life parallel to (laughs) Sanderson. Yes. Very
1: interesting. So cool. But
0: for sorting, I decided we should do Young Stringer. I was like, "Should we do Lady D? Should we do this person?" But I was like, "No, nope, I think Young Stringer deserves it after this episode." Yes, after <laughs> all, that.
3: Stringer.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so I did look up, you know, from the little articles I had found where the characters talk about their what they think of the characters, and so he says. He wants to advance. He's eager to rise through the social ranks on merit, but he's being pegged back by the stuffiness of society. His relationship with Charlotte is something special to young Stringer, Souter confesses. As soon as young Stringer meets Charlotte, he realizes she's something special. He also loves her modus operandi. She can float through the Parker's stuffiness because she's willing to get her hands dirty, and that really appeals to young Stringer. So I always like to get a little bit of what the actors are thinking about the characters. And then I had two choices for astrology. First is Virgo. This perfectionist is perfect even when it comes to their goals. They're ambitious, but at the same time, they're careful. They won't step to the field without doing their homework. They're always ready with lots of research and background work whenever stepping for their ambition. This makes Virgo a perfect sign who is ambitious with perfection. So I was looking up what are the most ambitious signs, but I didn't want it to be like at the top of the list, (laughs) you know, because (laughs) he's not, he is ambitious, but not like super forcefully ambitious. Right. And then the other one was Libra. They're ambitious, but they are not ready to do anything for it, especially they're not ready to climb on others to achieve their success in life, nor be really aggressive to acquire it. They will wish to achieve it in the calmest, most composed way, they want this world to be in peace, and they want people in it to be good and behave well. Sometimes, this nature of Libra for seeking peace makes them lost in their own quest. Yeah, that's
2: so, I, uh, pretty good.
0: Yeah, what well, do you think, Libra?
1: Yeah, I like that Libra. one. Libra, I Libra, yeah. Libra.
0: <laughs> I think it's good too because Libra really likes um, things to look nice, and I would think an architect would really, you know, yeah. get into that.
1: Right, really clean.
0: Yeah. Okay, and so for D and D, I said lawful <laughs> good because I yes. didn't think of anything he's else. the most pure character. <laughs> what do you think?
1: Definitely lawful good. Yeah, definitely. He's very <laughs> sweet, very pure, kind of plays by the books. So he's not much of a role breaker.
0: No, and he's always trying to do the right thing. I think. Yeah even when his dad is dead, he's like, yeah, stay with the town. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which uh, made me realize that I'm definitely not a lawful good because I was like, your dad was kind of an asshole. So I would definitely yeah. not be staying.
2: Like now. I, yeah. I kind of felt like now you're free to go pursue your own you interests. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Live your life. <laughs> Live your life. That was Ah.
0: Right, well, were there any final thoughts on Sanditon episode eight? Oh my or God. the whole thing as a whole? I mean, <laughs> now that we're wrapping it up.
2: I have a couple. Mm-hmm. I'll fly Please. through some of these really, really quickly. <laughs> so let's see. One is that if you guys want, or if you're interested in another sort of like deep dive into Sanditon or just like adaptations and whatnot. So I think this was, I think this was actually... December or November of 2019 again 30 years ago (laughs) so very hard. (laughs) Hannah and I were in London and we got tickets for this like talk with Andrew Davies at Buckingham Palace and that was very interesting and it's actually all (laughs) online it's called In Conversation with Andrew Davies if you just put that into YouTube you'll you'll pop that up. That's cool. And if you hear someone coughing in the background relentlessly, that's me. Um, because <laughs> we had just come from the Lake District and I was ill. And Hannah does ask, I think, like the first question maybe. But it is very interesting to see how he sort of viewed the whole creation process of Sanditon. And I think I I saw that talk before I had seen it because mm. it, it happened before it aired, I think, in the U.S. as the U.S. was just about to get it. And it does feel like it was quite fraught behind the scenes. And so I do feel Mm -hmm. like that translated to film, which it, you know, it usually does. But
0: was that with, like, the production company or?
2: Yeah, I mean, he says some things like I'm not trying to bash on him. Like, I think that he is he's done some great adaptations. I especially like his wives and daughters, which I think I admire him for that. Cause that's such a hard book to adapt. Like, I don't really know how he did that. Cause that's <laughs> so internal, but um, yeah, he's got some thoughts <laughs> on like modern day culture, social media, wokeness women <laughs> in production that I'm uh... like, maybe we, maybe we need to move on from this. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, it's quite hard to, to, and these are my thoughts just in general on, you know, various creators and things that I see in the business. Like it's very hard to get fresh takes from people who have maybe been in the business for maybe too long as well saying like, I'm trying to do a fresh take on this, but also I don't respect fresh takes. (laughs) (laughs) Seems a little bit odd. (laughs) So I think one of the things that he said that kind of struck me that I thought about a lot while I was watching the series was that He said, I'm looking at the quote, like TV is run by strong women and they want to see strong female characters. So basically he was kind of responding like I couldn't write Miss Lamb as ill as she is in the book because like no one wants to see like weak people or sick people on screen. And so that like definitely struck Hannah and I and I understand what he meant by that, but I think Uh people... We have issues with strong female characters, right? I think we all have issues of understanding what, what strong means.
3: Right.
1: <laughs>
2: doesn't mean necessarily like breaking down doors. And
1: <laughs> physically. <laughs> like, yeah, physically
2: have to be strong people. It means a, a well-rounded, interesting character right. is what right. you're, you're looking to write. And that's what people want to see. And also, I think because Hannah and I both suffer from, there's chronic illness and chronic health problems, You can write people with you know illness as strong that's not (laughs) those two things are not at odds and i think that was kind of our biggest critique on sanditon as a whole is that what's really interesting about the fragment besides the fact that you know austin was ill while she was writing it it is this commentary on like on illness like is Mm -hmm. austin like sort of setting us up to think of illness as a luxury, almost in this like Gwyneth Paltrow sort of right. way, like the, the wellness culture and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, so I think that could be really, really interesting. Clearly that's not his point of view on it, which is fine. I think every adaptation is just an interpretation and whatever that, you know, whatever speaks to you most, like you put on screen or whatever. Right. But it does feel like he he's more interested in sort of like, and <laughs> sex and romance, which is fine, which I no have no problems with, but I do think there are some missed opportunities.
0: Oh yeah, obviously, oh,
1: yeah. 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 I, I was like when you were talking about how he didn't want to make Miss Lamb ill because no one wants to see like an ill person on an adaptation, and then that the whole idea of people want strong women in TV. I would say that the biggest concern for me, with Mrs. Lamb's character, would be making her the only ill character and also the yeah. only black character. That would be my number one worry, because you're kind of loading totally. all these unique things onto one character. And it, they had an opportunity to explore this whole wellness thing with Arthur and Diana. But I think it's just so, and this is my kind of like why, you know, I enjoy these adaptations a lot. But why I can never really get into, like, being really into them and watching them over and over and over is Mm -hmm. because they feel very neutered to me in a way. And that's not, like, necessarily a dig on them. It's just, like, you know, I appreciate the aspects of this one that were very real and very uh, less uh, pampered in a way, I guess you could say. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been really interesting to see, like, the dichotomy between, like, a really ill person and a couple of people who just fancy themselves ill because they, like, totally to go to the doctor or whatever.
1: Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think maybe that would have been a really cool story to tell, but also it would be hard to tell it at the same time you're telling the building of the town because there's mm-hmm. obviously yeah. no one even lives there yet, so you can't really <laughs> right. call it a wellness yeah. hub. But it seems like they... I don't know. They could have definitely gone there and filled it out. I, as far as Andrew Davies is concerned, I, I've i liked his adaptations. I think, you know, I see why you would go back to a person who's proven successful mm-hmm. to do more. But I of also <laughs> love all of the adaptations that we've been getting more recently, like the new Emma and, um, you know, different, mm-hmm. different perspectives. I really think there should be way more women directed um jane austen everything's because there's so many male directed ones that i'm like this doesn't make sense to me that you would not give these to women to direct but
2: yeah um, i mean i think you're right i think it goes back to success right and that's Mm -hmm. what happens in the industry this person handled it successfully their name they know what they're doing we can trust them with this so it makes sense as to why he did sanditon but yeah i think that uh you could see in the talk that he seems to go you know well this is what women want and this is what young women want and this is what woke women right. want and i'm like ooh, maybe we should ask a woman <laughs> <laughs> i can promise you
0: no one i've talked to about uh sanditon although i'm sure there are plenty of women out there they just haven't written in to tell us that we're wrong but like nobody has liked the portrayal of Sydney. I mean not the portrayal yeah. like the way they build his character
3: right I
0: mean even if you are like oh he's hot and I do want them to get together I still Sydney is so horribly written I just it's yeah. insufferable I just don't understand yeah well I think that
2: that was driving a lot of that and I mean that happens that's like very much the industry like mm-hmm. you know I had a thing that was picked up for tv and there were conversations and it's weird being the creator at at one end and you have like a room full of older white dudes who've been in the business for a long time and they'll say well this is what the story is and i'm like i mean i created the story you're
1: like i think i know what it's about
2: i'm like this story is about a 25 year old girl like but okay like yeah so so I think that, like, definitely triggered me. But I do think this, the industry as a whole, like, needs to think about, like, if we are doing, like, new takes, and obviously we need new voices in the room. And I oh, think that was, yes. like, my big thing yeah. with Sanditon.
0: And I don't know if that's maybe kind of why it's not being picked up for a season two. Like, maybe the powers that be were like, it was fun, but maybe not continuing in this direction, you know. <laughs>
2: I think in the like where we're at with the cultural conversation, I think that that that's a conversation that everyone's pretty much having. Like, what are we going to produce? Who are we going to put forward? Is this something that's that we really need? Um, yeah. But yeah, if they did come back, I would like to see it just a change in yeah who's behind the yeah. camera.
0: Yeah, give. I mean, you could still use the first season as like the setup because it still left you with some really interesting yeah. things to explore. And then, you know, there's a lot of shows that do that. They just have a new showrunner for the second season or whatever. And this one is one I think would really benefit from that. Maybe have a different showrunner every season. And I mean, let people play in the Jane Austen sandbox. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Killing Eve does it. I think that's very interesting to have a different showrunner every Mm -hmm. season. You get sort of a a slightly different take on these characters. Um, I think that's fascinating. But I will say Theo James, I think he was just cast in another series as well. So (laughs) availability might be a little tough. Right.
0: (laughs) We don't really even need him to come back per se.
2: (laughs) No. Yeah. You guys are like, we don't, we don't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of other characters to explore.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like, in, you know, just thinking about it as a whole and how, a lot of these characters are written and that whole comment about wanting what women want and everything. And it's like, it's very interesting to see in these adaptations, how, how, I don't know, like watered down a lot of these female characters can be and how complex when you read the books, how complex these characters mm-hmm. actually are. Yeah. And so it's just a weird thing to be think like, oh, like, you know, a woman who was you know, writing over 200 years ago in a completely different time period where rules for women were different is still treating these women characters with more respect and more and adding to them you know it's not about making them what women want to be it's you needing to see them for more than what (laughs) an old white british man can see (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, but
2: whatever. It's true. (laughs) I would love to see, I mean, I would love to see another adaptation of Sanditon in the future, though. Like, I really hope someone does revisit the story because I think there are so many interesting parallels between kind of what you were saying about, you know, if we did show these parallels between someone who was a hypochondriac versus someone who was, you know... Really dealing with illness. Right. Uh, there's some interesting parallels between that and then like what Tom's doing with money. I think too. Like I think both of it's very much like packaging, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. thinking about Gwyneth Paltrow and some of the products that she creates and she produces. It's it's all packaging, and then like right. the science is an afterthought. It's or, all the I, you know
1: of yeah. what it possibly can do, rather than what yeah. can be done.
0: Yeah. And even yeah, have really
1: that. Like... Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I really like Dr. Fuchs, the character. Mm-hmm. I think he was set up as a really yeah. good, like, you know, anchor between those two. <laughs> oh, idea. yeah.
1: And you really, and you had another opportunity to even explore that, like, sort of classism with illness, with, yeah. with Stringer breaking his leg and all these other people who are, you know, they feel sick, but, you know, they're getting wellness treatments. And so I think it's just, and it's just, it's would be better off with someone who maybe understands who has a more real world view on classism and how the world operates
0: it would be really interesting you know especially with like the stuff we talk about today with like people who have chronic illnesses and they can't get a diagnosis because doctors Mm -hmm. don't believe them and jane austen died you know of an illness that no one even knew what it was we still don't Mm -hmm. even for sure know what it was and i that would be really interesting I always want people, when there's not enough information to go on, like a Sanditon, to take in Jane Austen's life and put it more into the story. But maybe -hmm. that's just me. (laughs) I I actually am
2: surprised that they didn't sort of go that route, actually, with this one.
0: They could have, for sure. Yeah, they
2: really could have. But yeah, no, you're right. I think that would be. It'd be interesting to explore, especially money-wise, because yes, when you when you do have a chronic illness, like it's a real privilege to get treatment, actually. Right. You can't take time off all the time to accommodate your illness, especially if you're American. Yeah.
3: So, right.
2: and that's something that you could really use to relate back to the Regency era, which I think would be a really strong piece.
0: All right, time for recommendations. <laughs> all
1: right. Do you have one?
0: Um, yeah. Mine is a weird one this week because, again, <laughs> just haven't been watching that much stuff. I've, you know, WandaVision wrapped up. I'm missing it. But um, I thought I would recommend a brand of shoes <laughs> because oh, I don't see them okay. advertised a lot. And I have found that they are the best shoes on Earth for me because I have I've had plantar fasciitis and a lot of foot problems. And one time I went to Disney World and when I came back, I was like, I will, I had stepped on my toes and like got blisters on the bottom of my toes. And I was like, I'm going to find the best possible shoes so that I never (laughs) have this problem again. So I found this shoe company called KURU, K-U-R-U. They're out of Utah. And I mean, their shoes, they're not, I don't know how you know, shoes are expensive, so they're not like the cheapest shoes ever, but they will last you a really long time. And I always get compliments on them. I've never had shoes that I get complimented on so much as these shoes. And over the years, I've just bought several pairs. And so I'm just gonna say, if you have any foot problems, try Kuru. (laughs) They are definitely worth it. And I've loved them.
2: Now I almost, I want to ask if you're wearing them right now because I want to see a pair. I mean, I can Google it. But... Here's like
0: my um just round the house <laughs> oh, cool. pair. Yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> they're yeah. really cute. fashionable, I think. I they're mean, cute. I'm not a big I think they're person, cute. But... Yeah. I've seen
1: both of them because you have two pairs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen both of them. I think they're really cute. They're really cute colors too.
0: Yeah. And I'm telling you, they will form directly to your feet. You'll never step on your toes again. <laughs> so, <yes. laughs> All right. All right. That's all I have for.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My recommendation is going to be a TV show. I just started watching it. I'm not even finished with it yet, but I'm really enjoying it. It's called Foodie Love, and it's on HBO Max from HBO Europe because it's a Spanish show. Oh, okay. And it's about these two Spanish... I'm not sure what I think they film in Barcelona, but I'm not sure that meet each other on like a foodie dating app because they're both really into food and dining out. And it's kind of like exploring their budding relationship from their first meeting to kind of like evolving and getting to know more of each other. And you kind of get these things, which I find a lot in. I find it a lot in Spanish language kind of films Mm -hmm. and television shows is, like, you get a lot of, like, internal dialogue presented on screen for you. So you'll get thought bubbles um, of what they're thinking when they're talking to someone. And it just kind of, I think it does a really good job of exploring, like, insecurity and dating and kind of like how you like you know when you're on a date and you like you know say something that maybe you didn't mean to say or like you do something that you think is stupid and how you kind of start processing that in your mind. I think it does a great job with that and makes it really enjoyable. And then my favorite part is all the restaurants they go to just cuz it's so every restaurant and bar is so beautiful and all the food looks amazing and it makes me miss eating out so much cuz I Where love does it take restaurants. place? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's in Barcelona. Because oh, I think I recognize one of the markets from when I went, but it's definitely like in Spain in like a city. Um, sounds so it's, yeah, beautiful. it's beautiful. It <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's a little slow to start. And I'm just a person who, who, like, you know, if you have like a, try to like make a controversial statement about pizza, I think it's kind of like an IRL So it kind of like does like that a little bit in the beginning where you're like, okay, these characters <laughs> are annoying. but (laughs) then it it starts like once they start seeing each other then it's like oh this is really interesting so i'm really enjoying it
0: awesome i'll check that one out is it helping Mm -hmm. with your spanish has it been getting better
1: it it does i kind of like i read the subtitles still a little bit um, but it is helping a lot to hear it because that's your big thing is hearing it it's reinforced so i really yeah (laughs) i'm really enjoying it a lot
0: i'll have to check that one out Yeah, yeah it's good (laughs) <laughs> what have you got, Lauren?
2: <laughs> a Netflix show that I I binged like crazy, and I do not have the time to binge anything. It was actually like a bad, it really interrupted my, my workflow. <laughs> it's a really bad scene, actually. Um... <laughs> But I really, really loved it. And I actually am going to rewatch it with my husband. I was like, you got to watch the show with me. And we'll, now we can watch it like one week at a time because my husband does, does not binge. So I All really right, relate right. with you, Christian, when you're like, I'm just usually stuck on TV. Can yes. we like, watch this? <laughs> I
1: want to get it over uh,
2: <laughs> So this is a uh, show on Netflix called Call My Agent. And it's a French show. So it does, it will help with your language skills if that is, uh, you know, what you're looking for. And also it's set in Paris and it's making me like, again, same thing, missing traveling, Mm -hmm. missing food, missing just hanging out with my friends who live overseas. But it is about an agency that handles, you know, creatives, uh, screenwriters, actors mostly. And then they get uh, cameos from famous actors in each episode. know oh wow sigourney weaver actually isn't like one of them so she's the only american i think but you know mostly it's french stars and it's just fantastic and it's such a great representation of the business like it's amazing (laughs) that anything gets made (laughs) at all (laughs) because there are so many disasters and fires (laughs) <laughs> and they are great draw, like it makes for great drama. Like, I don't know why there's not more like behind the scenes for like, you know, movies, TV, all that stuff. Cause it's I know. such good drama. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so one thing I regret about DVDs not being a thing anymore is that you don't get any good behind I the know. scenes. <laughs> you don't get a good commentary anymore. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. And I will say it's one of those shows I'm desperate for another season. I think there's four seasons. But the season, like the series finale is perfect. Mm-hmm. I actually thought, I was like, oh, it's so good. And the creators were like, we would do another season. Except for we, re- we really wrote the best episode <laughs> for the last episode. And it's... Uh, so, you and I agree. appreciate
0: a perfect ending.
2: <laughs> you really yes. do. So highly recommend it.
1: Yeah, that one's been on our list. And I remember we watched, we had just recently watched the final season, or the last season, sorry, of Killing Eve. And I think mm-hmm. one of the actresses on Killing Eve who makes an appearance is one of the actresses in Call My Agent. And so I remember like, I've got to watch this show because I keep hearing so many good things about it. Oh
2: my god, so good. It, it also was a little, I think the first couple episodes, it took me a minute to get into it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be background television that oh, I could just like okay. use to He's help my French skills. A... And, then, and then I was like, <laughs> damn it. So now I'm behind on all my deadlines. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, oh my gosh. Well, it was such a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much.
2: (laughs) Thank you you for having me. Feel free to edit out all of my ramblings, for sure. (laughs) No,
0: No. No. we don't edit out. We're like, it can be two and a half hours. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, we do have to say where to find you. Oh, of course. Yeah. (laughs) So if you want to find her podcast, obviously, Bonnets at Dawn everywhere. And do you have people follow you on social media or?
2: Um, I I direct everyone to the Bonnets at Dawn account. So Bonnets at Dawn everywhere, Instagram, Twitter. And um, there is a TikTok I have not started yet because that's, It's a lot. There is a clubhouse. (laughs) I have not started yet. (laughs) But we definitely have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group that you can search for just by typing in Bonnets at Dawn and it's a great place. And uh, yeah, find me that way.
0: (laughs) Perfect. And if you'd want to find us, you can find us at...
1: Yes, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You could DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can live a one-minute voicemail on our website, mannersandmadness.com.
0: Yes, and we hope that you will. And we'll be back next week with a check-in and let you know what is coming next for the podcast.
1: Yes, very exciting.
0: And by Why She Wrote. Wait, what's it called again? Why She Wrote. wrote. Why She Wrote. (laughs) (laughs) From Chronicle Books. (laughs) all right thank you guys so much good night
2: bye bye everyone